Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at the Bank St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. I want to talk this morning on fresh resolve. Psalm 42. Just to say, to make giving, thank you this year. You've been amazing in the giving. It's been amazing. So we do appreciate the giving of this of the church here. It's been amazing. You've been giving amazingly in different ways. So we do appreciate that. Thank you so much. Psalm 42. As a deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, Where is your God? When I remember these things, I poured out my soul within me, for I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God, with the voice of joy and praise, with the multitude that kept a, a pilgrim feast. Why are you cast down on my soul? That's the phrase I want to think about this morning. Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. For help, for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from the hills of Mizar. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in daytime. In the night his song shall be with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the breaking of my bones, my enemies, repro- my enemies reproach me while they say all day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hoping God, for I shall yet praise him the help of my countenance and my God. Just scratch me leg, I feel better. <laughs> we come to time, Emily, we do, we've come to the time where we have all these great resolutions, uh, you know, where we make all kind of... Emily signed up for the gym this year. <laughs> the, you know, the gyms are absolutely flooded in, in January. Come August... <laughs> The 10-mile run that you're going to do every day, the, uh, the, the 55 lengths that you're going to swim, and all these kind of... Yeah, can you do that? Don't you? Very impressed. And it's all these kind of, kind of New Year resolutions that people make. And, and, you know, a few months down the line, all of us, to a certain degree, look back and they're all kind of gone and everything else. But there's a difference between making a, a, res- a New Year resolution and making it something that's a, what I call, in some ways, making a, a fresh resolve. And you're seeing this psalm. Here's a man who's made a fresh resolve. And here's his resolve. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? We're going to touch what that means in a moment. But he's made these resolves. He says, you know, I'm going to make certain resolves. Because when I make certain resolves, which is a quality decision, when I make a real quality decision, it puts me in a place where God's able to work and move in my life. Every time, you know, I think so much in life is all about making a certain quality decision that that puts us in a place for God to work and move. Can you say amen? Now, we're told here, Psalm 42 is written by the sons of Korah. Now, the sons of Korah 
with a family of, of, of Levitical singers. And David chose them to reside over the music in the tabernacle. That's what they were there for. They, were there, they led the singers. They were over the, and, and you'll find a few psalms written by the sons of Korah. And the one thing I love about this psalm in the midst of praise and worship is the incredible honesty that these guys speak about. They've gone through an incredible hard situation. We don't know what the situation involved, but it must have been a real challenging, hard, difficult situation. They're saying, why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Ever said that? Why are you downcast, oh my soul? What's going on? Why do you feel so discouraged? Why do you feel so down? And the way they come out of it is to make a fresh resolve. And I want to think about some of the resolves that these guys made that brought them out of that situation of being cast down. I don't know what kind of year you've had. Maybe it has been a year that's kind of brought you kind of down. But I want to encourage you in this coming year to make certain resolves that enable you to face the challenges that no doubt this year will bring. Is that true? There's going to be challenges. And how we deal with those challenges are the resolves or the quality decisions that we make to face up to it. Can you say amen? There's the first one. I love this fact. This is, you sign it right there in verse 5. They said that, they said, verse 5 speaks about that, they said, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Here's the phrase, hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. In other words, the resolve they made is that for the, for we are going to keep faith. No matter what comes against us, what attacks our life, we're making a quality decision that we are going to keep faith. That's our resolve. We are going to keep faith. Look at Hebrews 10, 35. I think this is a, a great resolve that the writer of the Hebrews tells us to do. Hebrews 10. Verse 35. Look what he says. He says, Therefore, don't cast away your confidence. There are so many things out there that want to shake our confidence. Is that true? All the things often we see around us, they're there to shake confidence. And Hebrews says, Don't lose your confidence. Because why? Because your confidence has incredible great reward. There are rewards. There are incredible quality results of not losing your faith. Of not losing confidence. Of not losing hope in God. And I found more and more. I found, and it kind of helps all the stress in this, that the faith is not something you and I work up. I found other people are trying to work faith up. But faith, ultimately, how many realise it's a gift from God? How many realise that? I think faith is the ability of Jesus in your life. It's the activity of Jesus in your life. I love what it describes. That Jesus, this is what it says about Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. Isn't that a great description? The author and the finisher. In other words, where do you think faith began? It began with Jesus. And he's the one who began it. He's the one who began to work inside you. 
He's the one who gave you the capacity to believe him. He's the one who gave you the ability to trust him. He began it. And if he began that work inside us, because he's the author of it, he is going to finish it. He who began a good work will complete it. He's the one who brings us into increased faith and trust. I just love this thought. That Jesus believes in you. Do you realize that? That Jesus believes in you. And he believes in me. And before we believe in him, he believes in us. It's like this idea that, you know why we love him? Because he, what, first loved us. We believe because he first believed in us. He believes in you. He believes what he can do in your life. And I believe that's, a, that's liberating to believe that he believes what he can do in your life. And because Jesus is the finisher, his goal is to put more and more faith in you so that you are daily increasing in faith. But here's the point. He puts the faith in you. Our purpose, our responsibility really, is to develop the faith he's poured already in us. It's not something we've got to grab for. He's put the faith in us. And the Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Our responsibility is to spend time in the Word of God to allow the faith that He's already put in us to grow and to develop, to act on the Word, to, 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 to allow that Word to get inside us so that faith He's put in us begins to develop and it begins to grow. And that's Jesus' goal for you. He wants you to go from what? From faith to faith. And I want to encourage you, make this a year of increasing faith. Make this a year where you learn to trust in him more and more and more. Trust in him who he is and what he can do in your life. This is what Jesus believes about you. Hebrews 7, verse 25. This is the confession that Jesus makes over your life. Therefore, he is also able to save you to the uttermost, to those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Here's a confession the Lord has made, that, we are, and that we're able to agree with him. He's able to save to the uttermost. That word save is the Greek word sozo. It basically means wholeness. Body, soul, and spirits. He's able to completely restore you body, soul and spirit. And I love the fact that is confession over you. I'm able to save you to the uttermost. Body, soul and spirit. He's able to completely restore. Why is that? It says there, as you read that phrase, those who come to him I love this phrase, because he always makes intercession for us. How many realize that you are on Jesus' prayer list? I mean, isn't that awesome? You're on his prayer list. You're on Jesus' prayer list. That's, I love it. But you're right there on the prayer list of Jesus. And you can make requests to him. The, the disciples made a request. They said, Lord, 
Please increase our faith. The man with the demonized son made the request. He says, Lord, in my, in my belief, help me with my unbelief. And I believe Jesus answers the prayers of those that say, Lord, I'm struggling with unbelief. I'm struggling with all these things. Maybe there's something in your past that didn't work out. Maybe something that has locked you up and held you back in really trusting him. And come this year and say, Lord, I want a new trust in you. I want, to do, I want to believe you in ways I've never believed you before. I want to put new belief and new trust in you. Help me in my unbelief. Where there are roots, where there are barriers, where there's walls of unbelief. Begin to demolish those things down. So at the beginning of this year, God, that my faith and my trust in you will just so radically increase. You know, I think more and more, that's the, the heart of God. He just wants a people who are going to radically trust him. Who are going to have a radical faith. And that radical faith and that radical trust I think it's going to increase and bring amazing things. I love the story about Mother Teresa. So many stories about Mother Teresa, aren't there? And there's one story about Mother Teresa where a businessman, a very wealthy businessman, searched for her, paid a lot of money to fly to India where she was, and, and there he found her, there among the poor, I found her there. And he asked her for just for, to some, for some time with her, and she graciously gave him some time for her. He said, he said, I'm a very busy businessman. I've got lots of decisions to make. And he says, my decisions are going to affect a lot of people. Would you pray for me that I will have clarity about the decisions that I'm about to make? And Mother Teresa, in all the graciousness, said no. <laughs> and what she said to him is this. She says, you need to trust God more. Because the more you trust God, the more clarity you have, the more you see. And in, in, and it's in this incredible way, often the reason why we get so confused is because we don't trust him enough. But the more you see things through the eyes of faith, the more clarity you have. Isn't that awesome? The more I grow in faith, the more clarity I will begin to have. There's something happens when we walk through the eyes of faith. There's a wisdom there. There's a revelation there. It begins to defy the way that your brain thinks. It defies your circumstance. It's above everything that you could imagine or think when you see things through the eyes of faith. And I think it's this very, very essence of it. It's childlike. I think sometimes we get so complicated. So, you know, we try and want to reason and understand everything. But we lose the ability of simple, childlike trust. And it's almost this crazy thing that we need to get back to childlike trust because we get so complicated, we want to reason everything out, we want to try and understand everything, when God's just calling us just to get back to childlike faith. Just to simply trust him and say, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. One of the kind of obvious things, but I think something that's just kind of grabbed hold of me more and more, is that you and I have control over our thoughts. 
And it's a simple thing, but often I think we lose sight of it. We really do have, simp- we have control over our thoughts. Colossians 3 verse 2 says, Therefore, set your minds on things above. That, to me, is the key to developing faith. Set your minds on things above. And that word set, actually, interesting word, it's the same word you use to harness or, or control a horse. Well, let's put it more down to most of us. The same thing that you use to control your dog. <laughs> to make, ever had that, Jackie, I've seen you there. Pull your dog in that right direction. I've had so many interesting situations. That you're trying to, your dog wants to go one way, and you want to pull it this way. And that's what the word means. It means to guide it, to, to bring it in control, to bring it in the direction. And the Bible says that's how we've got to be. We've got to learn to set our minds on the things above. Because if we don't, then the other things in life are going to take us in the wrong direction. But the more that my mind is set on Christ, the more my eyes are focused on Jesus, then my life is going to go in the right direction. And what the enemy wants to do is to distract you so you take your eyes off Jesus. So you begin to set your eyes on the circumstance and the problems and you don't set your mind on something above and it's those things that begin to push you in directions that you don't want to go. That's what the Bible says. Simple. Setting your eyes. Looking at Jesus. Setting your eyes on Jesus. I think that is so much that we just look at Jesus. We look at his word. We just set our hearts and set our mind, set the whole of our being on Jesus. We look at Jesus, and the more we do that, then faith begins to develop, faith begins to grow, we begin to see our lives going in the right direction. Set your eyes on the beauty of Jesus, and the moment you do that, everything begins to change. Have you this phrase, having the mind of Christ? Wow, isn't that powerful? To think like Jesus thinks. I think I said before, you know how Jesus thinks? When he sees five loaves and two fish, whatever he was, you know what he thinks? That's more than enough for 5,000 people. That's the way he thinks. And we need to learn to think the way he thinks. How do you think like Jesus thinks? By looking at Jesus. Because the more I behold him, the more I look at him, the more I focus on him, the more I will think like him. I love it. I think like him. In other words, that when the storms of life come, fix your eyes on Jesus. I was amazed. There's a book come out. I didn't realize this. Remember that song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus? That woman, her life story is incredible. She went to Afghanistan and saw incredible miracles, amazing things. And that's what that hymn came out of. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. Because you learned the reality of that. A single lady in Afghanistan, of all places, as a missionary. That's what that song came out of many years ago. Turn your eyes upon Jesus and the things of earth will go strangely dim. Set your eyes, focus on Jesus. Here's the next thing. So much more I could sign up, but I better stop there. Second thing I think is a good way to resolve, and this is what these guys did, is to resolve your tongue. That's a good one, isn't it? Look, it says in verse 11. He says, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. 
I want you to see something. Not only do we have authority over our thoughts, we have authority over our words. We don't have to randomly say stuff. Romans 10, verse 10. <coughs> Romans 10, verse 10. For with the heart of one believes unto righteousness, and with mouth confession is made unto salvation. I just believe there's something powerful. That when your heart connects to your mouth, and your mouth connects to your heart, when they both connect together, something powerful always happens. And our words, it's working together, our words with believing in our hearts. And it's true in life that often words can impact us. Is that true? You talk to a lot of people and they can think of words that were said to them over a teacher, what a teacher said over them many years ago. It's impacted their life. I remember one guy, I remember he was in his 70s then, and he was still damaged by the words that a teacher said to him when he was about 14. Just totally limited his life. She said, something like, you'll never achieve anything in life. His name was Les. You'll never achieve anything in life, Les. You're you're just, you're never going to achieve it. You're, You're just a way. You'll never achieve anything in life. And 60 years later, he could still remember those words as if they were yesterday. I think certain kind of impact on his life. It can be words that people, where people bullied at school and people said cruel things to us. And those words have impact on us. But believe it or not, the words of most impact on us are not the words that are spoken to us by other people, but the most powerful words that impact us the most are the words that come out of our own mouth. The words we say about ourselves. They have greater impact than anything else. You know, James says that our words are like the rudder of a ship. And a rudder of a ship determines how you go and how you get there. The Bible says that David, at the lowest point of his life, I mean, he, he was low, man. I'm telling you, how do you come slow on this? Even your best friends want to kill you. I mean, that's, that's pretty, that, you know, it's hard to get below that. He lost, everything was stolen, he, he, his wives were kidnapped, he lost all his goods, his men wanted to kill him. And how many, what would you do in a time like that? What would you do? Another Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. I love it. In the midst of that, he decided that, he, that what came out of his mouth was going to be very, very important. And he began to encourage himself in the Lord. And here are these sons of Korah. I love the fact that they taught themselves out of a hopeless place into a hope-filled place. And I get this picture that they're kind of saying to themselves, Saul, sit down. Let's sit down here. Sit down. Why are you going to wallow in self-pity? Why are you going? I'm not going to allow you, Saul, to lead me into a hopeless place. Come on, Saul. Let's begin to hope in God. We're going to trust God. We're going to just give it all to him. Come on, soul. And had a good talk to their soul. That's a good thing to say. Soul, just why are you so fed up? Why are you so discouraged? Why, do you, why are you in this condition right now? Come on, let's get it together again. Come on, let's pick ourselves up. Let's begin to hope and trust in God. Don't let your tears be your source. Don't let your despair be your place. How do we get out of it? By the words that we say. Because I believe the words that we say are either going to keep us into a hopeless place or they're going to bring us into a hope-filled place. They're either going to bring you into further despair or they're going to lift you into a greater place in God. Can you say amen? 
And I think there's two things that we can do with our words. A lot more, but two things that these guys did with their words. I think the first thing they did was they began to magnify the Lord. With our words, we can either magnify the Lord or we can mimonize the Lord. When we magnify the problem, we mimonize the Lord. When we minimize the problem, we magnify the Lord. Amen? David says, come on, let's magnify the Lord with me. Let's magnify his name together. God is always bigger. God is always greater. So that means we, we always magnify him. He always exceeds his capacity to do what he can do. You know, there's, there's one thing you can never accelerate. Put my teeth in. There's one thing you can never exaggerate about. That's God. You can never exaggerate about God. Because his thoughts are beyond our imagination. And to magnify the Lord means to declare no matter what the situation, there's always a solution. And no matter how big the problem is, God is always bigger. He will always make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. A guy called Steve Butland, his book, on his book says this. He says, my hopeless, he says, my hopelessness about the problem is bigger than the problem. Let me say that again. My hopelessness about the problem is bigger than the problem. In other words, the way I approach it, the way I, I approach the problem, actually sometimes can be bigger than the problem itself. You see that? The, 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 my attitude to the problem, the way I respond to my problem, can be bigger than the very problem itself. And I, what I need to do is say, God, I'm focusing on you. In other words, instead of hitting the panic button, begin to press the magnify button. <laughs> so responding in panic, begin to magnify the Lord. And say, God, I just believe you can do it again. Lord, I was in a pit and you brought me out of that and you can do it again. <coughs> you met that need and you can do it again. As the word came out of We just remember the amazing things that God does. How many realize that's what testimony is about? That's what David did. Every time he faced a problem, he says, you know what, God? I remember a similar problem to that. And I remember how you got me out of it. And if you did it then, then I testify you can do it again. Is that true? And that's the power of testimony. If you were to test me, you think, wow, that's amazing what that guy did. Hey, maybe God can do it for me. <laughs> if he did it for him, maybe he can do it for me. And so through testimony, which is, which is the spirit of prophecy, it begins to, to, to remind me that what God did in the past, he can do again. And I think that's the way, one of the ways David encouraged himself in the Lord. He thought, God, I remember running for my life for a sword. I remember being stuck in a cave. I remember having a spear stuck to my throat. If you delivered me out of that, then you can do it again. Isn't that awesome? And that's part of what we do. We, we, we just testify. We remember some of the amazing things that God has done. Next thing is, Go back to Psalm 42 and here's the second thing they did with their words. I think it's important what you kind of meditate on. What you think on, what you meditate on is just going to be so, so important. It says right there in Psalm 42, verse 4. It says, when I remember these things. It says, in other words, they were meditating. They were thinking on things. See, what, the word meditate means to fill your mind and to mutter 
to yourself. That's the word meditate. Means to, it doesn't mean empty your mind. You know, it's not like Eastern meditation where you just you know, empty your mind and everything. Now, if you do that, you're going to have all kinds of stuff fill your mind. No, you don't do that. But with biblical meditation, you actually mutter it and you fill your mind with the word and the things of God. And really, it's what you mutter to yourself. It's your self-talk. If your self-talk is rubbish, then I'll tell you what, it's going to affect your life. If all, you, if all that comes out of your mouth is rubbish about yourself, it's going to affect you. But when your self-talk agrees with God, it moves you into, into your destiny, it moves you into your identity. And we can receive all kinds of words. You know, God can say amazing things to us. He can give us amazing words, all kinds of prophets, all kinds of things. But we'll rob ourselves of the effects of them if we contradict it with our words. You know, God could say, you are amazing, you are awesome, you are great. And then we go out and think, I'm, 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 I'm rubbish. You know what I mean? So actually we disqualify what God says to us by what we say about ourselves. In other words, that we actually defeat ourselves. And it's not the devil that does it. It's not people that does it. We defeat ourselves by what often comes out of our mouth. Our own self-talk often defeats ourselves. I love Gideon. I love Gideon. Gideon, man, talk about a low self-talk, low self-talk come out of his mouth. He says, you know what? I come from the lowest tribe. And not only do I come from the lowest tribe, I'm the lowest in the tribe. He said, I come from the most dysfunctional family, and I'm the most dysfunctional of the dysfunctional of the dysfunctional. I'm the lowest of the low. You can't get much lower than me. That's how, that's how, that's, that's it. That was his self-talk. I'm the lowest of the low. I'm absolutely... You think of the lowest, I'm lower than that. You know what I mean? I'm the most dysfunctional person you'll ever find on the face of the earth. And then an angel comes to him and says, that's not who you are. You are a mighty man of valour. Begin to shift what you think and begin to shift the way you talk. Start lining up with your meditation. Start lining up with what I say about you. And because he did that, he won victory. He became a man of valour because he began to believe it and began to talk what God had said about him. I think of David. And David obviously had some major issues with his father. He was left out. Remember when, when Samuel called, he says, where are your sons? And Jesse's brought all his sons, except for David. David was left in the sheep. And he says, where's your sons? He was left out, totally ignored by his father. It was, a, it was almost like the one that the father didn't bother with, for various reasons. And he was left out. He wasn't even recognized as a son, almost. But when he faces Goliath, he could have said, who am I? Man, you know, the father, you know, my father didn't care about me. My father leaves me out. I'm just nobody in the family, who am I? I've got nothing. All I do is care for sheep. He said, oh, hold, hold on. By the grace of God, I killed a lion. By the grace of God, I killed a bear. And by the grace of God, you're going to fall right down. You know, he could have said, you know what, I've got no weapons. I've only got a sling. Who am I? But David reminded himself of who he was in God. I love this thought. He never rehearsed what he did was wrong. He rehearsed what God did was right. Often in life, we often rehearse all the things we do wrong. Rather than rehearsing what God does right. 
And that's what David did. Instead of rehearsing all that went wrong in life, he began to rehearse what God did was right. He killed the lion, he killed the bear, and God began to rehearse what he did. And I found this, that often when we begin to allow our words to come into agreement with what God says about us, it breaks the lies, it breaks the limitations that so often the enemy has placed on so many people's lives. I think so many people are held back in life because of the root of their heart that believed a lie about themselves. But isn't true. And they begin to speak that word out. They begin to talk about it. They begin to, they begin to confess it. They begin to declare it with their mouth. And the more they say it, the more they declare it, the more they confess it, the deeper that thing gets down into their heart. The deeper that gets into their thinking and, and, their, and to their attitudes of life. And they just rub this so much. But I tell you what, when your words begin to come in agreement with what God says about you, through a process of time, your life begins to change. You begin to see yourself in a totally different way. And you begin to see through the lies and the deceit that the enemy can often sow in the heart. And I feel so strongly in these days that even now the axe is laid to the root. In other words, the roots that the enemy has sowed inside us. God didn't put it there. God didn't put those thoughts there. God didn't put those things in our lives. And even now, the axe has been laid to the root and God's cutting out the roots so that we can be all that he's called us to be in himself. Can you say amen? All by his grace and his mercy. Let me close with this one. I think it's a good resolve to quiet your soul. They said, soul, be quiet. Look at Psalm 132. Here's the last thing. How to quiet your soul. And I think there's one resolve that we need to really learn in these days, to learn to quiet our souls. Psalm 133. Psalm 131, verse 2. What a great verse. Very short psalm, but Psalm 131, verse 2. I love this. Surely... I have calmed and quieted my soul. Look at the picture of it. Like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child in the soul within me. It's a beautiful picture of, of a baby being weaned by the mother. The, the stillness there. Everyone's saying, ah! And suddenly the feeding and the weaning. and oh, I'm saying, thank you, Lord, and the peace and the quietness. That's a picture of it. In the midst of ah! Suddenly, as the, the mother begins to wean the child, stillness and quietness begins to come. I want to say that the soul has amazing ability, has a, has a capacity for powerful, deep emotions. Emotions are a great servant, but they are also a terrible master. Emotions are terrible leaders. And if you're led by your emotions, you find yourself getting into trouble. And I think there's something about the truth of God's word begins to defy our feelings. So much of what God does actually often goes beyond our emotions. It says peace that passes understanding. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. And one of the things we need to learn to do is to quiet our souls and not learn to trust in our emotions and our feelings. 
How many love emotions? I love emotions. How many love emotions? It's great to, to have feelings. It's great to have emotions. But the danger is, is when that controls us. It's when that rules us. It's when that directs our life. Because if we're led by our emotions, our emotions will rise and fall. But we know God's faithful. And, and, we, and we, instead of being soul-led people, we need to be spirit-led people. And this is what we need to get a hold of. Elijah. The Bible says that the God was not in the earthquake. He wasn't in the storm. But notice this. He was in the still, small voice. And it's that still, small voice that calms the storms of life. Part of our problem today is we're always busy. We're always, we're always, we're always, always got to be busy. We've always got to keep going. Always got to move. We've lost the ability, actually, to be still and hear from God. You know, we're always busy. When was the last time you sat down and said, God, I'm just going to get still before you. What have you got to say to me? Okay, this is what my emotions say. This is what my feelings say. This is what people say. This is what my circumstances say. But ultimately, what do you say? What are you saying to me? And often the problem is we don't, still, we don't, have, we don't spend enough time with God just to still our hearts. You know what I love to do? I, want to do? I just love to get a book. And I'm just still, I say, God, what are you saying to me? Sometimes, I th- just, a, just a thought will come. As I begin to write that thought down, another thought comes. And another thought comes. And before I know where I am, all these things are flooding. I have a notebook, and I write those things down because that means I'm saying, God, I'm expecting you're going to speak. Because if I don't expect him to speak, then guess what? He probably isn't. Is that true? So I say, Lord, here's a book there. I'm expecting you to speak to me. What have you got to say to me? And it may not be like, you know, some amazing deep theological depth truth or it may not be some amazing revelation. It might be simple as this. John, I love you so much. And that just becomes like a still voice that God speaks strongly in me. And I just begin to write that down and other things begin to flow from it. And in, and in that still small voice, things begin to flow. And I tell you what, I come out so blessed, so encouraged. Not because I've heard something somewhere else, but because I've heard directly from God himself. One word from God changes your life forever. And we can have all our prayer lists, which are great. We can have all these things, and yet never give God a chance to speak to us. Can you imagine you having a conversation, all you do is talk? I mean, I mean, it's a bit, you know, it's a bit boring, you know what I mean? And after that's all with God. We, we do all the talking, and God's going... And we don't give God any chance to speak into our lives. And all he does, he wants to communicate to you. He wants to speak to you. My sheep, what do they do? Know my voice. That's one of the greatest qualities of all. To be, to be a, a learner, to be schooled in the voice of God. Because there are so many voices out there. Is that true? Voices that want to deceive us. Voices that want to, voices that want to lead us astray. But we need to learn to know the voice of the Lord. It's not what I say or anybody else says. It's what God is saying to you personally. For the now word, we can't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from God. In other words, God is continually, on a day-to-day basis, causing words. We just have the ability to pick up and receive what he's saying in our lives. Amen.
Now, I've got a, my car radio, I suppose this is rubbish. <coughs> and I pick up some French stations. I don't know, you get all this French stuff coming through. Or, 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 or you get, yes, yeah. <laughs> you can understand it, I can't. <laughs> Uh, and you get all this stuff going through. I think, what, what is that? I can't. Uh, or they end up with Radio 3. I only love Radio 3. Oh, okay. I want Radio, I want radio 5, the sports, the sports stuff. Because I want to hear football results, don't we? We don't want to hear all this stuff. <laughs> and I just can't pick the thing up. I, it's a, a few miles and it's gone, I've lost it. Because the receiver somewhere can't pick up the most important channels in life. Like Radio 5 and, and these amazing channels. I don't mind classic. I kind, of, I, I kind of like classic FM. I do like that, believe it or not. And then they go one mile and the thing's lost. They're all a little blurred again. And it's all because the receiver can't pick it up. Now, there are, how many know, there are sound waves coming through all the time. And that's like us. God's speaking all the time. We could have the ability to pick up what he's saying. Say, God, ultimately saying, what are you actually saying? May this be a year where you clearly hear the word and the voice of the Lord for your life, for your circumstances, for the direction and purpose for your life. But we've got to still ourselves enough to hear that voice. Amen. The still, small voice of the Lord that speaks into the depth of our being and changes us forever. You see, man. Let's stand, show it. <coughs> the Bible says that those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. There's something powerful there's something empowering about waiting on God, about letting him come to speak and reveal himself to you. There's strength in that. That's where strength comes. Strength comes from waiting on the Lord, just waiting in his presence, just being open and available to him. That's where mighty strength comes in. Lord, we, we, we thank you today, God, and Lord, we, we want to be a people that make resolves today, Lord. Lord, we want to resolve today that we want to be a people of faith. A people that, Lord, trust you. Even when things are contrary to that. When things are contrary to your word, we want to trust you. Lord, we want to put our hope in you. My soul, why are you so disappointed with me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. And Lord, I pray today, God, that that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be pleasing unto you, Lord God of hosts. Lord, I break every lie, every deception the enemy would want to sow in our lives today. And we release the word of God. We release your word today to bless, to encourage, to strengthen and empower your people. And Lord, your word says, Lord, in waiting is our strength. Strength is found in waiting upon you. Lord, I pray today, Lord, that we'd resolve in our hearts that we're going to spend time with you. And I pray that you would, you'd release amazing prophetic words. You'd release incredible, powerful words in people's lives over this coming year, Lord. Just amazing words, Lord, in the stillness, Father, that the still, small voice of God would just release powerful words that would change destinies, that would change lives forever. For we ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Those who are asleep, now you're woke up. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.